Well, I'm very thankful to uh, be able to come and spend a few minutes and share. Um, there's been some things on my heart that I've wanted to share, um, and I'm thankful that Lauren gave that opportunity. Uh, it's been with much prayer and um, little shaky hands, but um, trusting that the Lord will lead and guide today, and that each one of us will hear what we need to hear today. We all have a beginning in our walk. We, we all have, um, I've been thinking about it this week, and I've been thinking about beautiful beginnings. And, and, and we all have a beautiful beginning. Now, beautiful beginning doesn't necessarily mean it's without um, terrible circumstances. Even Jesus. We have a beautiful beginning because of Jesus being throttled, being having a crown on his head of thorns because he was lashed, because he was spit upon. We have a beautiful beginning because of his death. And so it is a good thing that we have a Lord that meets us where we are. Um, I'm going to, before we read, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that wherever we are at, whether we are sitting in the chair and we don't know you, and we're sitting in a chair and we know you, but we just don't want to give ourselves fully over to you. Or we're sitting in a chair and we're completely comfortable where we're at right now. Lord, I pray that you would meet us, each of us, where we are and not leave us there. Lord, I pray that the words that I share would be your words and not my own. That I would not get in the way. May your Holy Spirit lead and guide and direct, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll turn, I know it says 2 Corinthians 5, and we will be there, I promise. But before that, um, maybe turn in your Bibles to uh, first to Colossians, Colossians chapter one, and I want to read a few passages or a few uh, verses from Colossians one, starting in verse three. And Paul writes. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as if it also is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. And go down to verse 9, and it says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding 
that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Listen to this. That he has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Um, I'm just going to share something different, but um, this was supposed to be just for me. (laughs) But I'm going to share this. When I was going through this passage, um, I thought, well, this isn't the passage that I'm supposed to be speaking on, and I don't want to explain the whole thing, but yet there's so many things in here that I think it's so good to prepare us for where God is going to take us in a few minutes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If I ask the question right now, and, and I want participation, how many of you, with a show of hands, has a ministry that God has given you? Put your hand up if you have been given a ministry from God. So that's about a third of people. Okay. Well, I think there's a lot more than a third. But we'll see as we go through what the Lord is calling us to. In this passage, it's very interesting, and I never saw this in all the times. Colossians is one of my favorite books, uh, letters, and um, I would never saw something in there, um, and it has to do with the pronouns. But, but first, it, this is amazing. Here's Paul, and he is talking to the believers, his brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae. And, and as he's talking with them and sharing with them, he's also praying for them. And this, you can't, I don't know how good your eyes are, but this is, this is unreal, these are the things that he prayed for in this, this little bit of, that I read. I want to read them because this is almost as if Paul was not just speaking to those in Colossae that day. God did not intend it just for them. He intended it for us as well. He intended it for all generations, just like his word is. Always alive, always relevant. His word is just as or more than relative in this time that we're living in now. So this is what Paul prays for, for the people of Colossae. Paul gives thanks for their lives. Paul thanks God for their faith and love for all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for them in heaven. Paul prays that they may be filled with all knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul's praying for that, 
because we are allowed to have that. Have you ever asked God? Have you ever prayed and asked him, give me more wisdom? Give me more understanding? Not about your wife or your husband necessarily, but about him. We go to him. Ephesians 1.17 is another verse. Paul prays that God's people would walk worthy of the Lord. And he prays that they would fully please him. He prayed that we would fully please God. He prayed also that, that, that they would be fruitful in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to Jesus' glorious power. He prayed for all of this. He also prayed for patience and long-suffering and joy for all those people. And that same prayer is for us. But if you have your Bible, look at verse 12. He changes the pronoun. He's talking a lot about you, you, you. And then all of a sudden in verse 12, to the end of this little section, he changes the pronoun. Paul includes all the believers in Colossae, all the believers of that day, and all the believers in our day. But the pronoun changes. Look at verse 12. It says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. He changed it. It's not just the Apostle Paul who got to be blinded for three days and got to meet Jesus and got the, a brand new life and got all these cool experiences like shipwrecked and bitten by snakes. But he included us in this same ministry. He goes on, says that the Father who has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in the light, he has delivered who? Us. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us or, or translated us, transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have the redemption through his blood. That's incredible. Well, we're slowly getting to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, but turn just before that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. And Paul writes... For the love of God, sorry, the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Here Paul brings up 
And I love this verse 14, for the love, it's by the love of Christ that compels us. It's the love of Christ that he went to the cross. It was the love of Christ that he accepted the whippings. It was the love of Christ that he decided to go all the way. It was the love of God that he would give his only begotten son so that we would have a hope of eternity together. As we go down to the section that we were looking at, verse 17, he goes on and it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If we break this verse down, it's really important to notice. He says, therefore, if anyone. Who's anyone? Who's anyone? Is that like Irv? Is that like the, the thief on the cross on the right-hand side? At the very end of his life? giving his life to the Lord with just hours to spare? Is this anyone from any place? North Korea? Iraq? Palestine? Who's this for? It's for anyone. And I... I pause at this because... It's very easy, for me at least, to judge. I'm so glad I didn't know the details about Irv before I met him. I'm so glad I didn't know that he left his wife. I'm so glad I didn't know he left his girls. I'm glad that I didn't know those things. We had a group home for 10 years. We saw kids that have been so hurt from their parents. I'm glad I didn't see that. So when God says that anyone can come to him, he means anyone. But there is a criteria. There's always a criteria. As a teacher, at least, I can say that. There's always a criteria, and there's only one criteria here, and it says it in the next, in the same verse. It says, therefore, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ. There's the criteria. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. This is not um, a, a hand-me-down, a, a, a refurbished, a recycled new creation. We've been reading um, in, in Genesis, we've been seeing the beginning of, of all creation. A, a new creation cannot be, cannot be made by anyone else other than God. A brand new creation can only come from 
him. And here, it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There's something about getting something new. There's something about a new day where his mercies are new every morning. And Well, I want you to keep your finger here because something new that God has in store, it cannot be found in this world and it cannot be found in the flesh. Turn to Romans uh, 8, verse 11. Romans 8. If I could find it. Romans 8, verse 11. Um, Should we go back further? Let me quickly go back to 9. It says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And... If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is the life because of righteousness. Now, verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, Brethren, we are debtors. Debtors? Who signed up to be a debtor? To be a debtor? Look what... This verse, I've seen people turn their heads in verses like this. I don't... I don't owe anything to God. I'm not going to be indebted to God. But if they would just read what it means to be indebted to the one that gave us newness of life, that took all of this and turned it into something that he could use, Give us a new body one day, a new spirit put in us. This is what it means to be a debtor with God. Listen listen to how it continues. Verse 12, therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption 
by whom you cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. It is an incredible thing to be a debtor. To be in God means that we get not just a new body, we have a new life. That the God of all that we've been hearing about in Genesis, creator of all things, calls us into fellowship with him. He calls us his kids. He adopts us into his family. We adopted our boy into our family after we lost our first son. And I can tell you that the love we have for our adopted son is absolutely no different than than the love that we have for the son that came through us. So he adopts us as his children. And he says that we're his heirs. His heirs. And joint heirs with Christ. And one day he's coming back and he is going to take us home. We're going to be glorified with him. I had to read that three times. Really? Am I, is that heresy? Glorified together with Christ. As I was thinking today of what to share, um, and almost scratched out all the stuff, just like at the funeral, the Lord put one resounding thing on my heart to share today, is that no matter where you are today, no matter where any of us are today, that we can have that surety, that security, to know that we have a Father who loves us, who cares for us, would give up his own son so that we could be adopted into his family. Now, we could just close right here, walk out, and say, wow, am I ever blessed? And we are. But that's not the real full meaning or the fullness that, that the Lord put on my heart for today. Earlier I asked, with a show of hands, how many of you have a ministry? And every single one of you should have put up your hands. And I know what it feels like to not want to put up your hand. Every single one of us have been chosen. We have been qualified. I know me. I know my heart. I know how I've hurt people. 
I know how I've hurt my wife. I know how I've hurt my boy. And I, I think I'm unqualified. But God, in his wisdom and in his understanding, knew who we are. He knows where you are. He knows where we are at. But he will not leave us there. If we but pray and ask him, what is it, Lord? What is it that you would have for me? Is there more? Does he have more for you? Absolutely. And it would be wrong just to send everybody home and just say, you're good right where you are. I'm good too. We're all good. Except the next verse. Take a look at... Back in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. Turn back there if you haven't already, and I promise to get there. In Second Corinthians 5, we read in verse, um, verse 18, he says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Oh boy. I didn't trust myself with this, okay? So I wrote some things down on this because it's so vital to, to, to speak clearly and and. And this is what the Lord put on my heart about reconciliation. That was one thing that as a young believer, and a believer for a few years, I didn't understand what reconciliation really was. This is just a quick crash course, but first off, um, there's absolutely no need for reconciliation. Absolutely no need for reconciliation unless there's a broken relationship no need and of course we know from and as we will see in the coming days and weeks uh, with Adam and Eve there was um, a broken relationship and that would go into the DNA of all the rest of us so because of that and because of a broken relationship we do need reconciliation and so this is, this is what um, one, one thought on reconciliation. Reconciliation is a divine provision in which a holy and just God is able to remove the hostility and the stain of sin that has been caused by mankind. The divine provision in which a holy and just God is able to remove the hostility and the stain of sin that has been caused by mankind. And this provision that God, the reconciler, chose for us, the sinner, 
was a substitution, a substitution of the Savior. Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on the cross, and he died in our place. Is this the fullness of reconciliation, though? Is it? There's something missing, isn't there? Three days later, our Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead, defeating death. He received the victory over death. And he provided an opportunity for a new life for us. And so we get to be called his children. We get to be adopted into his family. We get to be heirs of Christ and with Christ. Ephesians 2.10, it says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has given us a ministry. It's the ministry of reconciliation. Now, before we start thinking, well, oh boy, look at that. I better start reconciling people. Um, The next verse tells us, verse 9, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. That work is done by God through Jesus Christ, and we are reconciled. And because we are reconciled in him, then we also get to have this ministry. And he even calls us a name. We have a title. We are called ambassadors. Look at the next verse, and we'll close soon. I know the kids are already out. Now then, Verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. In verse 20, he says that as ambassadors, we are used to plead and implore. It means to beseech or to appeal to people with an earnest heart. So is that job as for ministering, being an ambassador, is that just for pastors? Is it just for missionaries? They don't have to have a real job. So let them do it. That might hold up, except for, God says in Matthew 28, that we are all called to share the gospel. We are all called into ministry. We are all called to the ministry of reconciliation. We are all called to be ambassadors for Christ. And that, for some people, is scary. Kind of like the day that I was asked to do the funeral for Irv. I, I, 
without even knowing I had already three excuses in my head why I shouldn't do it. But God did not make a mistake when he made you an ambassador. An ambassador does not speak on their own behalf. An ambassador doesn't say whatever they want to say. An ambassador listens to the one sending and declares and shares only what they are sending and share, having them share. And so as ambassadors in Christ, each and every one of us has the ministry to go out and to share and to tell others about Christ And some of us would say, that's, that's not me. I'm sorry. I, I'm not good in front of people. I'm an introvert. You're an extrovert. It's easy for you. You know, you're actually in a good spot. And then we'll close with this. You're actually in a good spot. Because when we recognize, and some of us, it takes a little longer, when we recognize that we can't do it on our own, and that we can work at something and work and work and work, unless the Lord is leading and guiding and doing it in us and through us, it's of no value at all. So to start at a place of being scared, start at a place of being introverted or not feeling qualified, where we're none of us are qualified except it be through Christ. And we'll close with one verse, actually three verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. For any who are sitting here and just saying, I'm, I, I'm just not equipped. He says, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4 to 6, and we have such trust through Christ towards God. I love that. And we have such trust through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. He made us ministers. He made us ambassadors. Not to the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. We will either be an ambassador on the couch will be an ambassador on the sideline or will be an ambassador on the front line. And that doesn't mean that it looks the exact same for everyone. This week, go in his power and pray and ask him, Lord, give me an opportunity to serve you this week. Just give me an opportunity. Don't make it too big. But just, just give me what I can handle. 
and he will meet you right where you're at, and he will not, what? He will not leave you there. He has called us to an incredible work. We'll have lots of time in eternity. We'll have lots of time to do whatever we want to do and get to do in eternity. But he's called us to be ambassadors for him. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you have qualified us. And it's not of anything on any merit of ourselves, but it is Christ in us. We thank you, Lord, for the ministry of reconciliation that you do and that we want to be a part. We want to do the little part that you call us to, to be faithful, to, to, to call out to a neighbor, to a coworker, to a family member. Lord, we see around us people are dying everywhere. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So, Lord, we ask for strength and wisdom that you would guide and direct our lives. And as we pray for opportunity, that you would just lead us, Lord, hold our hands and walk us through whatever you're calling us to. We give you thanks. In the powerful and precious name of Jesus, amen.